Well, uh, there is no kids' church this morning, and so it is another family Sunday. Uh, so we will be intentionally a little bit shorter, uh, like JT was last week. By the way, last week JT preached. He did awesome, and so I was. We were listening to it. We weren't here, but we were listening to it as we were driving, and I was so impressed. In fact, he even did a kids' sermon, uh, like a show off, and. Uh, we're not, we're not going to do another one this week because uh, I don't want to feel like I'm like trying to mimic him. But, uh, but if you are a kid in here and you do have stuff to draw on, here's what I want you to do. JT did this last week, and I thought it was brilliant. And uh, so if you have stuff to draw with you, if you don't have stuff to draw to keep you occupied, like to help, help pay attention or, or to have something to do, uh, Mr. Jared has some coloring stuff back by the children's area. So if you didn't grab any on your way in, feel free to go grab some right now. Um, there's some paper and there's some crayons and pencils and things out there if you want to go get some. But here's what I want you to draw because it is exactly what we're talking about this morning is a tree. I want you to draw the coolest tree you've ever drawn that has water going by it and it has a, your favorite fruit growing on it. I don't care if that fruit really grows on a tree in real life or not. I want your favorite fruit on that tree. And, uh, and so that's what your task is this morning. For everyone else, go ahead and open in your Bibles to Psalm 1. So if you've got your Bible, your iPad, your phone, uh, Psalm 1 is what we're looking at this morning. Now, I have decided uh, that I want to, in this new year, do things that bring me joy. Uh, I want to I uh, clarify things in my life to like, hey, this doesn't bring me joy, so I want to I cancel this out. Uh, I always thought this was funny. My brother was running, uh, training for a marathon several years ago. And one day he was out for a run, and he got to mile 14, and he, he, he thought, why am I doing this? I hate this. And so he stopped. He stopped, and then he called someone to said, hey, I'm out running. I hit mile 14. I'm done. Come pick me up. I'm never running again. And from that day on, he has not run since. I've always loved that story. Uh, like in my mind, I'm like, how could you get to that point and then just stop like that? Well, this week, I've been training for a marathon. I ran 14 miles, and I got home, and I was like, yeah, I hate this. I'm not doing that. And, uh, and so, like, for the rest of this week, I was really tired, and I was irritable, and, like, because I'd, I'd run that, but I hadn't prepared myself to. The furthest I'd run is half marathons. And, uh, and so, like, I was like, okay, I'm going to go beyond it, and I haven't, I haven't gotten my mileage up that well. And, uh, and I ran that, and I was like, yeah, this is the worst. And so, I went back, and I said, no, I'm capping it. I'm doing half marathons, and that's it. I'm not going beyond it. That doesn't make me happy, because the idea of doing endurance sports sounds awesome. The idea of being at that level, of being, to, being able to run, like, ultra trail marathons, that kind of stuff, like, that sounds totally awesome when you're watching other people do it on the internet. But when you're the one physically running it or doing it, it's terrible, and so, uh, so I decided that doesn't bring me joy. I'm going to do things that bring me joy, like run less mileage. That's, that's going to be my new thing here. Now, why do I tell you that? Because where we're at in this, this, this text this morning is we are, are as, no, I take it back. Why do I tell you that? It's a new year. We think, hey, I want to do things that bring me joy. So we turn to this text here in Psalm 1 
because in this text, God tells us a pathway to increase the joy or to increase the happiness in our lives, even if just a little bit. That's what this text does. Look at the very first verse. This is how happy is the one. How happy is the one? This text is about increasing your happiness. Now, it's not a magic pill. Like, just like we said about our prayer services, and like, if you come, then you're going to have your wildest dreams come true. Like, no, no, no. It's not a magic pill. The same thing is true about this text. It's not a magic pill to where if you follow what's happening here, then everything in your life is going to be happy and joyful permanently forever. Like, that's not how it works. But in many respects, following the wisdom of this psalm will increase the happiness in your life. Why? Because there is an assumption governing this text that is this. God's wisdom is higher than ours. God's wisdom is higher than ours. And so, in this text, what it's telling you is how to live a happier life. It's telling you how to do this. And so, here's the thing, is you were designed according to God's design. And so, if you align your life, as this text tells us to, if you align your life with God's wisdom, according to God's Word, then you'll be living within the bounds that you were created or designed to live within. That's what the text is telling us. God designed you a certain way, and if you align your life with it, then you'll be living within the boundaries that you were created to live within. Think of like, my kids love going to the zoo. We have zoo passes um, that uh, we, we use, Dara uses weekly almost. And uh, so we go there and we see all the different animals. At this point, it's just going out to get outside. But, but, but you look at these different animals, and they just built this new uh, elephant springs uh, part to where like, they made this new uh, area for these elephants to live in that's supposed to be perfect for them. It's got the waterfall, and it, look, it really looks pretty beautiful. I'd like to go hang out there. But it's, it's, it's super nice. Now, why do, they, why do they spend millions of dollars to make these habitats look exactly like what these specific animals should live in. Because those animals developed over years to be in a specific environment. And the zoologists know, hey, they need to have this specific stuff in their environment for them to do well. They were designed to live in a specific way. And so if you want this animal to be happy in the zoo, you need to make their environment look like what they need it to be. In the same way, you and I were designed to live in a specific way. And when we live according to that design, that increases our happiness. That's what the text is telling us. That's what the text is saying here. So let's look at the text here. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does he prospers. And so, God, we come before you. We thank you for your word. And so, pray that you'd open our hearts, open our minds to hear what you want to say to us through it. 
And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so look at this text. What's the first two words in here? How happy. Happiness of the person who's reading this is the goal of the text. They want you to be happy. How do you do it? What's the thing? One is look at this. Look at what it says. How happy is the one who doesn't do three things? One, you're happier if you don't do this. You don't walk in the advice of the wicked. You don't walk in the advice of the wicked. Now, wicked here in this text, it's not necessarily a, a term about a person's, like, character. It's, it's about, like, what it means here is, is guilty. It's a person who's not part of God's people, but they stand before God guilty. Walk, how happy is the person who does one? Does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Does not walk according to people who tell you how to live outside of God's Bible or God's Word. The second thing is this. How happy is the person who doesn't stand in the pathway of sinners? Doesn't stand in the pathway of sinners. What's a sinner? A disobedient person. And if you want to be happier, then you, are not going to, you do not need to be a person who continues being disobedient. And I'm going to explain these more in just one second. And the third one is this. How happy is the person who doesn't sit in the company, become friends with those who are mockers. So it makes fun of people. Now, these are easier to understand if you can tell me, if we can look at what the opposite of these are. So look, how happy is the person who doesn't walk in the advice of the wicked? Well, then what's the thing we're prizing there? How happy is the person who walks according to wisdom? Not the wisdom is the opposite of walking according to the advice of the wicked, God's wisdom. So happy is the person who follows wisdom. Second thing, how happy is the person who instead of standing in the pathway of sinners, instead walks in obedience to God's Word? So you prize God's wisdom, you walk in obedience to God's Word, and how happy is the person who instead of sitting in the company of people who make fun of people, you instead sit in the company of people who are humble, humility, So how happy is the person who prizes God's wisdom, who walks in obedience to God, and who seeks God's humility in their life? As you increase in these things, you will be happier. So here's the question. How do you do that? How do you develop these characteristics in your life and in your friendships? How do you do this? And here's another question. How do you distinguish between these two ends of the spectrum in your everyday life? How do you distinguish between what is wise and what's not wise? How do you distinguish between what is obedience and what's disobedience? Or what is, what is mocking and what is humble? How do you distinguish between these? How do you distinguish between what's truly humble and what's a humble brag? Like How do you, how do you distinguish between these different things? We need a guide. We need a guide. That's what the text says. Look what he says. Instead, verse 2, instead, the happy person's delight is where? In the Lord's instruction. The happy person's delight is in reading his or her Bible. That is where the happy person's delight is. And so if you want to increase your happiness this year by developing your sense of God's wisdom, your, your, your growth in obedience to God, and, and, your, and your humility, then how do you do it? 
by delighting in your Bible. That's, that's the key. That's what Psalm 1 tells us right here. If you want to increase your happiness, dig into the Word of God this year. And so at this point, here's, what, here's the call for you. Resolve to increase your happiness there this year. Resolve to increase your happiness this year by reading your Bible. By reading your Bible. And I'm going to give you some tips here in just a minute on how to do that. Because we can all say, like, okay, well, I want to read my Bible more. And then for about another week, we will get it out. And then uh, after about a week or two, then we kind of lose our way again. And so I want to give you some, tri- some, some tips here that'll, that'll be helpful for you. But first, I want you to see this. What's the result of doing this? What's the result? What's the illustration that, that the psalmist here tells us? Look at verse 3. This is why I told the kids to draw a tree. How's your tree coming, by the way? You got your tree? Nice. It's looking awesome. Okay, now verse 3. The person who does this, who, who delights in God's instruction, who meditates on it day and night, is like a tree planted beside flowing streams. Now, when I, we lived in Angleton, which is south of Houston. It was about 15 miles north of the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, when we get down there, like here, everything is green all the time, usually. Um, but you get down to Angleton, and it is like you are in the tropics, like luscious. The trees are just like super green. They have these giant oak trees with this beautiful Spanish moss stuff on them. Like they're just amazingly beautiful. And like the, the grass is always over. You have to mow your lawn a lot. It is overflowing with how green everything is, how luscious everything is down there. Why? Because there's so much water everywhere. Like they were right on the Brazos River. It is so, so much water coming through that area. And so that's what the, the, the who, who said this, the, what's happening for this person here is this person who delights in his Bible, who, who sets forth to read it and to gain wisdom from it is like a tree planted by the Brazos River. And this tree, what happens? It does two things. It has two results. And it's flourishing. This thing is flourishing. It is prospering. It has two things. It has an offensive effect and a defensive effect. Look what this is. It's like the, it's like the 2021 Cowboys. They're just amazing. Okay, you got, you got your off, uh, super DAC-centric offense, you got your Micah Parsons defense, and you're like, they're the perfect winning combination. It's amazing. Boom. He's like a tree planted by Jerry World. That's what's happening here. He's got his offensive effect. Look what happens. Look what happens. He bears fruit in its season. Offensively, that's what he does. He bears fruit in its season. He's doing what he was designed to do, or she was doing what she was designed to do. She's bearing fruit in its season, those perfect oranges just growing out of this amazing tree. It's awesome, bearing all of this fruit. But then defensively, look look what happens. Bears fruit in its season, and his leaf does not wither. So it's bearing fruit at the proper time in the way that it was designed to do. But when the storms come, when the drought comes, when the winter comes, what happens? Its leaves do not wither wither. This is just what JT talked about last week, remember? He talked about the person who builds his life by obeying the words of Jesus is like a man who built his house on the rock. That's what Jesus was talking about Is this in this psalm here. Like if you build your life on the Word of God by digging into your Bible, then what happens? You'll be like a tree 
planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and when the storms come, your leaves will not wither. You're able to stand firm in that moment. You've got a defensive effect, a defensive weapon right there. So here's the thing is that God desires your highest happiness. He truly does. In fact, this flourishing here in verse 3 is the expectation of God for you. Like, like flourishing like this is not just a reward for the very best Christian or the pastor or the missionary or the Ronnie Stats. Like, like, the, like the, the, the flourishing like this is not just for the pinnacle of what we think is the Christian life or the Christian person. This is the expectation for all Christians at all time. Like, I want to I read you something. Back in Genesis 1, back in Genesis 1, God is setting up the first man and woman. And I want to read to you what he told them. Genesis 1, 28. No, 27. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created the male and female. Look what God says in verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful. Go be like trees bearing fruit. Be fruitful. Multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. Here's what he just said. You are the first human and also the representative of all human. You go. Be blessed. Be fruitful. Be fruit growers. Obey me. And in the season of testing, when it comes, your leaf will not wither. That's the calling for, for Adam and Eve at the very beginning. This is the calling for all people. God's expectation and desire is for you personally in your life to be this tree. Like that, that's awesome to me. That it's not just for special people. It's not for the Pope. It's for me. And it's for you. That God desires this for you. He desires your utmost happiness and for that to be found in Him. That's what He desires for you. That's what He desires in 2021. But here's the problem. Adam and Eve, and we just like them, eventually decided that they wanted to go their own way. They wanted to be their own God against what God told them to do. They said, no, I'm not going to be obedient to you because I think that I know better than you. And so what happened is they ushered sin into the world, death into the world. It's my kids. Don't worry about it. And he brought guilt upon all of us. But then Jesus died and rose again. And he offered a new life to us, a new heart to all people to re- who repent of their sins and submit their lives to follow Jesus. That's the glorious news of the gospel. So now we, by faith, may recover and now pursue God's good design for our lives and for our world. So we can do that through Jesus. Now we can actually pursue this and live this out through faith in Jesus by the work of the Spirit at work in our heart. So here's the question. Is how do you develop and grow in this spiritually? 
How do you develop and grow in this? How do you increase your happiness by walking according to God's good design? By delighting in your Bible, God's Word written for you. So, I want to give you a couple tips on this. And, uh, and then if I have time, let's see how much time I've been up here for the kids' sake. Okay. I want to give you a couple tips for how to dig into your Bible this year. And uh, so here, here's where they are. One, if you're in a D group, a discipleship group, this is the best way to do it. Come together this week and decide what you're all going to read. All three of you or all four of you, decide what you're going to read together collectively. And so form a plan, say this is what we're going to read, and then hold each other accountable throughout the next six months or however long you're meeting to follow that plan. So what are a couple plans? Well, JT gave you one last week, the Bible recap plan. Uh, so if you, if you caught on with that, if you uh, were interested in that, he gave you one last week for that. But here's, a, here's another plan. There's an app uh, on your phone, uh, the YouVersion Bible app. That has plans galore in it. One's related to anxiety. One's related to reading the Bible in a year. The, you, can, you can say, oh, man, I'm struggling with lust, or I'm struggling with anger, or, or I want to learn more about God's love. And you can click that, and it'll give you a reading plan to be able to follow for the next 14 days, or 7 days, or 30 days. And that's just a, an avenue to get you into God's Word related to a topic that's very important to you at that moment. And so that's one avenue is, is reading, reading the Bible through having a plan given to you through, through the Bible app. Another avenue to get the Bible into your life and into your heart, your head, this year is on that YouVersion Bible app. There's also a way, when you get to a text, you can click the play button, and it'll start reading to you. So if you've got a commute or you've got to drive while you're at work, you've got to drive from one location to another, from one, uh, from one health center to another health center. Then you can, you can get to your, like, oh, I need to do my reading today. Pull out your app, turn your Bluetooth on in your car, click play, and have the text be read to you as you're driving from one location to another. It's the, JT does this. We, I meet with JT uh, and a couple other guys, and every day to work, he drives from Willow Park to downtown Fort Worth, and he does his Bible reading on his drive in the mornings. And uh, so he'll just click play, and it'll read the text to him as he's driving to where he can get through the text that day. Like, it's a brilliant idea. And, uh, and so that's, that's one way to get the Bible into your life this year is to, is to listen to it. And now there's one other thing I want to do. Let me see how much time I've got for everyone's sake. 21 minutes. Okay. In five minutes, I want to do one thing for you. It's going to take five minutes. Now, as you're reading the Bible, sometimes we struggle with getting something out of it. And so that's, that's a deterrent for us to continue to press on because like, man, I'm just not feeling like I'm getting much out of this. And so let's say you're reading through a book and you're like, man, this just doesn't make sense to me. I want to give you a method then to be able to get something out of the text. So here's what I want. I'm going to close my Bible. I want you to tell me, someone just shout out a book of the Bible. Genesis. All right. So we're going to turn to Genesis. All right. So someone tell me a, a number between 1 and 50. Say it again. 10. All right. We got 10. We're going with the table of nations. This is interesting here. 
There is very little I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to be honest with you. This is literally a bunch of names. Are you sure that's what you want, Austin? Okay, never mind. 23. Austin Kynard's leading us to 23. Okay. All right. So uh, what I'm going to walk through really briefly, got five minutes, is this is the HEAR Bible Reading Method, H-E-A-R. H-E-A-R. It's an acronym. So each of those stands for something. H-E-A-R stands for highlight, explain, apply, respond. Highlight, explain, apply, respond. Now, this is a, this is a method that you can use every day. And it, I want to show you in five minutes. This is a long text because this is about Sarah's burial. Um, it's kind of a sad story, really. Uh, but I wanted to show you that you can read your Bible and get something out of it every day, and it doesn't have to take an hour. Because if you have the tools here of a, of a reading method like here, then you could take it to the text and get something out of it and, move and, and, and pray and then go with your life uh, for that day based out of uh, what you've heard from the Word that morning. So I'm going to read a little bit of this text. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's a lot and I don't have a lot of time. And so Genesis 23, I was kind of hoping you'd pick a New Testament book for me. All right, New, Genesis 23, and I, I, the reason I have you call out things is because I want to show you that you can do this on your own. This isn't something that I've prepared beforehand. That's the reason I do it like that. Now, Sarah lived 127 years. This is a very long time. She had a full life. These were all the years of her life. And Sarah died, and just skip that. That is Hebron. They give you a translation for that. Because if you're reading, you're like, man, I don't know what that says. Just, just it's okay. Hebron. She died in Hebron. In the land of Canaan. Hebron's actually interesting. So in the land of Canaan. And Abraham, Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Then Abraham got up from beside his dead wife and spoke to the Hittites. I am an alien residing among you. Give me a burial property among you so that I can bury my dead. And the Hittites replied to Abraham, listen to us, my Lord. You are a prince of God among us. Bury your dead in our finest burial place. None of us will withhold from you this burial place for burying your dead. Then Abraham rose and bowed down to the Hittites, the people of the land, and he said to them, If you are willing for me to bury my dead, listen to me and ask Ephraim, uh, uh, Ephraim, son of Zohar, on my behalf to give me the cave of Malchpelah uh, that belongs to him. It is at the end of his field. Let him give it to me in your presence for the full price as burial property. Um, so Ephron, uh, was, we'll read through verse 11, was sitting among the Hittites. So in, uh, in the hearing of all the uh, Hittites who came out to the uh, gate of his city, Ephron, the Hittite, answered Abraham, No, my Lord, listen to me. I give you the field, and I give you the cave that is in it. I give it to you in the sight of my people. Bury your dead. Now, this is a sad, a sad moment in Abraham's life um, because his wife, who was with him through all of this long journey, uh, has passed away. And so now we're looking at this text, and we're looking at the here reading method. Uh, and so highlight means, means pick a verse or a couple of verses that really stuck out to you 
as significant in this text. And so in this text, we could look at, uh, honestly, we could just look at verse 2 as this. Verse 1 and 2, highlight. So I'm going to highlight verse 1 and 2 here as, as what I want to focus on in this text. Now, Sarah lived 127 years. These were all the years of her life. She died in Hebron, the land of Canaan, and Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And so I'm going to highlight that as, okay, that's what I'm going to focus on in my Bible study this morning. Okay, explain. Well, what's happening in this text? Well, Sarah has passed away in the land of Canaan, not her hometown, but in this new place where God brought them. And who's there to mourn for her? Her husband, who was with her this whole time. Okay, well, how can I apply this to my life? What is significant about this to me? Well, I think this says something pretty significant about us, about what's happening in our lives. Why? Well, someone who is as important in the text as Abraham and Sarah go through pretty difficult days like we do. There are many people in this room now who've experienced the heartache that Abraham is experiencing right in this moment, right? And so you can know that in your sadness, you're not alone, but you have many forerunners before you who've held to the faith, who've experienced the sadness that you're going through in this moment. And so Abraham is feeling this, and he's weeping for his wife. Now, how can I respond to this? Well, one thing we can do is you can take a moment. This, is, this, would, be a, a, this would be a pretty heavy devotional this morning. You can see we can do it in, in a couple minutes. But in this moment, what's happening? Abraham's weeping for his wife. And so maybe what the text is calling you to do in this moment is to finally allow yourself a moment to weep for the loss that you're feeling. And turn to God in prayer and say, God, I am broken over this, but I haven't allowed myself to weep over this moment. And so just like Abraham is feeling this hard time, God, I want, to, I want to turn to you by faith, and I want to let out these emotions that I've been bottling up in my life. Boom. So what you just did in your morning devotion is you just had the text speak to you in two verses over a man who lost his wife. And now what is happening is the Spirit is working in your heart to uncover emotions of grief that the Spirit wants you to pour out to him. And that just happened in your, in your five-minute devotional that morning. Why? Because you followed the here reading method. You followed the here reading method. You had a method of when you got to the text, you said, here's what I can do to follow it. Here's how I can get something out of it. Now, how many of you thought you could get to that point when you read this text at the beginning? Not many of us. When you read this text, you're like, okay, well, I guess I'll move on to the next thing. But if you take a second to slow down and apply the framework to it, then you can get places in the text. And so now, I'm going to have the band come up. Uh, and so what I want to do as the band comes up, I want to give you a moment uh, to stop I'm going to give you a moment to pray. And here's what I want you to pray for. I want you, as the band is preparing to, to, to sing, I want you to stop. And I want you to pray 
for God to give you a desire to dig into your Bible this year. Ask Him for clarity on finding a a beginning point of, of a place to read, whether it's through a specific plan, a specific, just a book of the Bible. Ask Him for clarity. Ask Him for other people, other members of our church, uh, to be uh, accountable to you, for you to be accountable to them. Ask for God to, if you don't have that, if you don't have a D group, ask for God to make people, uh, make it known to you who you should approach to be encouraging in the faith as you move forward in reading God's Word this year. And lastly, just like the psalmist in 119, thank Him for His Word given to you, given to us. How happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk according to the Lord's instruction. Happy are those who keep His decrees and seek Him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong and they walk in His ways. You have commanded that your precepts be diligently kept. If only my ways were committed to keeping your statutes, then I would not be ashamed when I think about all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Never abandon me. And so, God, we pray these things to you, thanking you for your word. And I pray that we'd be people, we'd be a church defined by commitment to your word, commitment to carrying it out, to prizing your wisdom, to prizing obedience to you, to prizing humility, all through or because of our relationship with Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.